Hi, my name is Deborah Ogden and I would like to welcome you to On Brand With. Through this podcast, I want to bring you into my world of personal brand and impact and hopefully bring it to life through the experiences of me and my guests. Over the coming episodes, I will talk to a range of people I know and admire and ask them about the different ways they use their personal brand, the positive benefits it can bring and what best practice looks like in the real world. My guest for today's On Brand With is Jason McCartney. Jason is MP for Cone Valley and he's my local MP in the village I live, Honley in West Yorkshire. Now he was first elected into the role in May 2010 and held it for seven years when he lost his seat and then was re-elected in December 19. Now, he's also a director of the Mid-Yorkshire Chamber of Commerce and local business Fair and Funky. He's also held the role of head of public affairs at the University of Huddersfield. And I suppose that was the perfect fit for him because before his foray into the world of politics, he was actually a broadcast journalist. And it was as a sports journalist that I first met Jason. More of that when we chat in the conversation. And before being a broadcast journalist, he set off life as an RAF officer serving in Las Vegas, in Turkey and Iraq. Now, I invited Jason to be part of On Brand With because he's had such a varied career, but one that is so often in the public eye and brand is a massive part of that. And I was fascinated how these very different roles impact on who he is as an individual, but on his role in his current life as an MP. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, we've sort of, our paths have crossed many times, haven't they, over the years? So I can remember the very first time, I don't know if you remember this, but when I was media manager at Old Trafford, I can remember being stood on the boundary over by the cricket school and talking to you in your days as ITV's sports presenter so how many years ago is that um i was at itv yorkshire from 1998 to 2008 so for about nine or ten years um and it was a great time to be there because we had the rise and fall of leeds united making the champions league semi-final i actually went to report on that in valencia uh, which was superb and i went on fantastic trips around Europe with Leeds United and then obviously they went down through the divisions uh, we had Yorkshire County Cricket under David Bias actually yeah. winning the county championship for the first time in ages that was uh, really exciting um, 
No, it was uh, a fascinating time. The Leeds Tykes Rugby Union won the cup down at Twickenham. I was there for that. Uh, the Challenge Cup, Rugby League Challenge Cup, was either won by the Leeds Rhinos or the Bradford Bulls were winning the World Club Championship almost uh, every year. Um, and then we had, you know, uh, great athletes. Uh, we had Lee Westwood, the golfer from yeah. Worksop, which is in the ITV Yorkshire yeah, region. The patch. It's yeah. funny one, isn't it? So yeah. I went to go and see uh, Lee Westwood uh, one Monday morning after they'd won the Ryder Cup his local golf club and I think he was a little bit worse for wear bless him because they'd had a, a whole night celebrating I think we can let him off can't we yeah and, and, no, and I, I remember interviewing David Beckham as well just to drop a name there when he was England captain because England played at uh, Elland Road I think it was 2001 2002 and uh, I always loved David Beckham a brilliant role model uh, but I, I do remember I actually took a, a photograph of him for a family friend to get an autograph and uh, I gave him the photograph and I had a pen with me and I said afterwards, oh, could I just have an autograph, please? And the pen was a biro and the biro wouldn't write on the photographic paper. And he said, oh, sorry, it doesn't work. And I said, oh, yeah, sorry. And I thought I'd miss my chance. Anyway, about three minutes later, I got a tap on my shoulder. He'd come back with a felt tip. Oh, um, and he actually, no, it's just little things like that uh, where you remember people have just gone out their way. Uh, to help you out and do kind things. Well, it's really interesting because this week, I, and I think you actually liked it, so I think you'll have seen it, but um, you're a fellow Huddersfield Town fan, of course. We share the highs and lows of that, don't we, Jason? And um, when we were in the Premier League, uh, when we played Spurs, it was a tough game and it poured down and Oscar, my son, wanted to stand outside and wait for Harry Kane. And Harry Kane came out and waited for an, we waited for an hour and he went round and he made sure every single child had the autograph, the selfie. And when he took the, when I took the photograph of him and Oscar, he actually said, have you got what you need? Thank you. And moved on. And I just think there are some players in, I don't think there's any coincidence that he's England captain. And that role model is massively important when it comes to sport. Yeah, there's, there's there's so many sports stars that are doing fantastic things and have been through the COVID pandemic uh, as well. But as we, as I know from the world of politics, unfortunately, the media don't necessarily always want the positive stories. They want to put the negative things on the front pages. Uh, and I know that from the world of politics. So uh, I know how some of these, uh, you know, footballers and, and cricketers feel really when it's all the negative side and that the media really aren't interested in the positive side of things. Has that made it easier then for you as a politician? having that insight into the media and how things work? Uh, I regularly use the phrase, uh, it's not just what reality is, it's how it looks. Um, you know, you, I, I know I'm under the microscope uh, all the time. And I suppose in my previous careers, um, I've had that as well. So my first career for 10 years, when I first left school, I was an officer in the Royal Air Force. So I had to uphold um, high personal standards as an officer in the Royal Air Force, uh, setting an example. Um, so I knew I was always under the spotlight then. Um, Has that been great discipline for you, though, going forward? Would you put, you know, I mean, we'll come on to this about the relentlessness of your career now, but those disciplines that you learnt as an RAF officer, have those put you in good stead? 
Yeah, yeah. So it's about looking after yourself and trying to set your personal standards in the the way in which you uh, live your life. Um, and, uh, you know, setting a, a really uh, good example. So in terms of, you know, trying to be courteous and kind genuinely uh, to everybody. Um, I can be robust, but always, uh, you know, and then you've got personal traits as well. Always try and see the good in people. Um, and I would try and say to people that look at politicians, you know, if a politician is doing something you don't like, just try and see it from their point of view. You know, why are they doing that? Why have they voted that way? You know, why are they saying that? And and try and see beyond the little snippet of the headline. But yeah, certainly as a young Royal Air Force officer, I was 19. Uh, I was a flying officer, which is like a lieutenant. Um, and I was in charge of 60 people who all called me sir. They were all older than me. So it's a big responsibility at a very early age. Um, but I think I sort of relish that, really. But you learn to take advice from people. Uh, and certainly as a young officer, you take advice from, say, your flight sergeant um, and ask for advice. But then you as the officer has to take the decision and then it's your decision. Um, but it's about building relationships and, and finding people in your team that you can trust and, and can support you um, and consulting with them. Who um, do you take advice from these days? Uh, my team. I've got an excellent uh, team, uh, two of whom uh, worked for me last time uh, when I was an MP. So when I lost in 2017, uh, my team, uh, you know, we get on very well. We socialise together. We all communicate with each other all the time and we stayed in touch. So I can consult with my my team all the time and we talk about issues um they're all local people from here as well even the person that works for me in parliament is is somebody from up here so they all know the local area and they've got all local contacts as well so, so you, sorry just to ask you there though do you check in with them because you talk about that spotlight and you talk about that perception and that's something i'm you know talking about a lot when i'm talking about personal branding so you know, you have the personal brand of how you hope you come across and then there's the perception and how people really receive you. So do you ever check in with them and say, you know, where's the barometer? How am I coming across? And, and do you ever check in with them on that from that point of view? I get feedback on issues uh, and approach to solving things. Um, you know, I've, I've, some of my team, one of my team is wife's a school teacher. Uh, specialising in special education needs. So immediately I've got an expert on that side of things. Uh, somebody else that works for me, his mum is uh, a head teacher at another local school. Mm -hmm. So when we've been talking about, you know, COVID and, and children getting back to school in a safe way, I've got people to consult with. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, somebody else, you know, works closely with the council. So I can ask her about uh, council issues. Uh, somebody else is very good with technology. Um, so ask them about technological issues and, and, and things like that. So, you know, I don't know everything. I never will. So I've always been someone that's willing to consult, get advice, get thoughts and ideas. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm the boss and I'm the final decision maker. Um, and I'm the one that has to, you know, stand or fall by what I do in the end. But I'm very happy to listen to people. Yeah. Uh, you know, something that it's very apparent to me is that in the world that you live in and we were we were talking about this off off mic before but 
I see it with a husband who's a journalist, how social media has changed things and you are so accessible mm. and feedback is very immediate. And quite often Paul will say to me, don't look at the social media, Deborah, it might upset you because not everybody has the same opinion of me that you have. Um, and for you, that must be tenfold. And I know when I asked you a couple of weeks ago if you would um, do this interview, you were sat outside a local coffee shop with your parents. And I think it's okay. You, you That's when we're seen. allowed to, by the way, because yeah. I can't do that now. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. And we are socially distanced as yeah. we are. No, no. And... I just have to stress that. So I do follow <laughs> all the restrictions uh, yes. and I have to as well. Absolutely. Well, we all should be doing. Yeah. It shouldn't matter whatever role. Yeah. I suppose that comes back to the doing the right thing, whatever. Yeah. yeah and I perhaps should have... Uh, started the interview by saying that we are actually in um socially distanced as we should be but yes your parents you were having a coffee sat outside and it occurred to me how how do they cope with the flack if you like the feedback that you get because you're a parent um i'm a parent and I can take a lot of things and people can have a go at me, but if something has, somebody has a go at my son, then I'm in there and, you know, tiger mum and I'll protect. So how, how does your mum and, and dad cope with that? Um, they ask me things. They get their friends asking them questions to ask me and then I have to relay the answer back to them as well. Um, they're obviously not on social media, so so thank goodness so they don't see that side of thing but they also get loads of positive things i think the last three times my mum's rang me up and it said such and such said you helped them with an issue and they said thank you including you know someone that lived on their road as well so um we get loads of positive feedback we you know i'm very proud that generally at the end of a day we have got back to nearly everybody that's contacted us up to that day but it's a big task to stay on top of everything but we all work really, really hard. And that's where we get our positivity from, you know, the thank yous and the appreciation. Um, and when I was last an NMP, people used to bake us cakes and send us lots of thank you cards. Obviously, they can't do that at the moment. Um, but that's where we realise that that's what we enjoy doing, actually helping people, finding solutions. Um you know, and that's what we've been doing all the way through the COVID crisis as well. There's the national picture, which are the national policies, which obviously I get involved with and try and influence those. But the vast majority of the work, and we call it casework, is where people have local issues. Is that what drives you, the, the local work? Yeah, I, I actually think, uh, without being big-headed, me and my team do an absolutely fantastic job. And we hear that time and time again from people of all different political backgrounds um, people appreciate us um, putting effort in, working really hard to help them. Um, and in uh, 2016, the last full year I was an MP last time, I actually came top of all 650 MPs um, with our response rate to uh, queries from constituents. But that took a lot of hard work from the team um, and they're totally committed to it. We live and breathe it. We work every day of the week. Um, I, I was doing emails and casework at half 11 last night just so we can start with a new you know fresh fresh brush of new issues first thing this morning my team do that as well um we we have worked at least one or two hours every day since march yeah. um during the covid crisis we have people stranded in grenada uh, peru uh, pakistan new zealand 
you know, those were people that needed help in getting back home. Uh, and that doesn't stop at the weekends, so neither did we. Yeah, we they don't were, wait nine till five. Exactly. Do they? And and yeah, with the time yeah. difference as well. Yeah, you know, absolutely. so so we were contacting, you know, the um uh the the embassies and the high commissions to make sure they were getting financial support. Um, you know, these weren't people with, you know, a lot of money. Um, you know, what accommodation were they going to stay in? Did they have clean water? Uh, the shops in Grenada ran out of bottle, bottled water. Uh, there were big challenges there. But just by keeping in touch with the families that were stranded there, they got back to the UK eventually and they just sent us huge thank you notes saying just having you there communicating with us and connecting us with people was big support. But quite often they couldn't get access to the internet. Their phones ran out of juice or charge or credit on it as well. So huge problem solving for me and the team. Um but, How do you look after yourself then, Jason? Because, you know, I know living in the, the, the local village that, you know, if I've been at a Macmillan event, you've popped in or I've been at a business event and you've popped in and you, you show your face. And, and I do think you do, you know, politics aside here, I think as a local MP, you have that profile and you do that so well. But how do you switch off from that? Because you've said, you know, you were saying earlier that, you know, you go off for a break with your partner and then you have a call with Matt Hancock to sort things out. You, you can't not do that. So how do you switch off? Because you have to. Uh, it's scheduled. I actually know what I'm doing every hour of the waking day, probably for the next couple of weeks. So um, it's just about being organised. So it's about allocating free time, personal time, Um Fortunately, my partner, she's a Huddersfield Town fan as well. So at least when we're going to the football, when we can or when we're watching it uh, on the link, if we can make it work, um, (laughs) there's another issue. Um, You know, we can can enjoy the same things together. So that works. And, you know, um, you know, family time as well with my daughters. Um, We've just been planning now uh, what we're doing at the weekend and and what we can do and where we can go and where they want lifts to and things like that. So it's just about being organised. So So you still dad's taxi as well? uh, Yes. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of things to to sort out. And then, uh, you know, just been thinking towards the end of October when it's um, school and college half term as well. So it's just about being organised. So everything's in the diary. All my team have access to my diary. And, and we actually slot things uh, aside. Uh, but I also think when I'm making calls as well. So when I was walking uh, during the summer, when we were in lockdown, I was doing two hours of walk a day. I would take five calls with me to do on my headphone. So I was getting my fresh air and my exercise. I try and do 10,000 steps a day. So I look after myself physically. I am doing five calls while I'm doing. So we actually slot in the phone calls. Um, and quite often the same when I'm driving as well, yeah. because I've got a good hands-free kit. I can actually be doing calls that just need to chat with someone while I'm driving. So we slot them in. So I always uh, know what I'm doing. But I've always... There's no mental break in there, though. Um, yeah, but I can I can unwind really quickly. So, okay. so I, you, must I can, be missing, you must be missing going to the football, because I would have thought... There's something about going to the football, isn't there, in a release and, and the passion of following your team. And there's there's some there's a real energy and release in that. You must be missing actually going to the John Smiths. and Yeah, we've just got, uh, me and my partner, we've just got season tickets um, uh, in the Kilner Bank. 
uh, in the corner and we just stand up. I know we're not meant to, but everyone there stands up. So we, so, <laughs> so we all have to stand up there. Uh, I quite often get a hot dog and then we have a coffee or a bovril at half time. And yeah, we're, we're there. We're right in front of where the corners are taken. And that, that's a good bit of a escapism and release. Um, I've been going to watch town for 30 years. Um, uh, I used to walk to uh, Leeds Road when we lived in Fixby. Um, and then we moved down into the home valley. Um, but I, I, no, it's, um, it's fantastic escapism. I love the passion. I love a last minute winner. If we can get one, I think we had one last year, didn't we? Against Wolves. Yeah, it was an absolutely. evening game yeah. and we we're all chanting. We've scored a goal. And, absolutely, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I love the sense of humor of town fans and, and the realism. Um, no, it's always been a big escape for me. Even when I was in the Royal Air Force, um, again, I was always very organised. I, I planned my weekends around town matches. Um, and when I was uh, on detachment in Iraq in 1995, I got back from six months in Iraq. Um, and then it was the playoff final against Bristol Rovers at Wembley. So I hadn't seen my mum and dad much. And, you know, and there was me planning on going to the football and, <laughs> and, and things like that. So, um, oh, actually, while I was in Iraq, this is before the internet and everything okay. like that. So 1995, I actually requested that in the daily communications from headquarters in the UK, we would actually get like the League Two football scores. <laughs> so you could just track where yeah. they were. And, uh... and it would go, Huddersfield Town 5, Crew 1. <laughs> and then I wanted to know the scorers as well. Yeah. And they were saying, yeah, yeah okay. And someone, and the senior officer would ask, because it would be like all the you know, all the information about tactical information and where Saddam Hussein was deploying his forces and things like that. And at the bottom, it would have the latest Huddersfield Town score and where we are in the league, because, of course, we are pushing for the playoffs. Well, I was thinking earlier when you were saying about your time at um, Calendar and uh, I was just thinking about, you know, Bielsa and the like, we'll want you be back. You will want you back if uh, you were talking about visiting Valencia to watch Leeds and that. Uh, how do you feel about Leeds being back in the Premier League? I've got loads of friends who are Leeds fans, um, you know, and I, I actually enjoyed the brand of football at uh, the start of the year 2000, 2001 uh, under David O'Leary. It was exciting to watch, you know, with Harry Kuehl and Mark Viduka and Alan Smith and, you know, they had Rio Ferdinand for a season. It was uh, it was really, really good football. Look, I'm a massive town fan and obviously I love it when we beat them in the derbies and we did have a run where we seemed to beat them quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm someone I like to see all the Yorkshire clubs doing well, to be honest. You know, I... I hope Leeds and Sheffield United can stay up in the Premier League because I think it's good for the region. So uh, I'm not one of these town fans that wants wants yeah. Leeds to get relegated. I like seeing our clubs do well. Well, isn't it? Um, I was looking on LinkedIn yesterday, and I know um, one. You know, it's it's seen the impact that Premier League football has on the region as well, and we certainly saw that in Huddersfield. And we were saying earlier off mic how good the club were at interacting in the community at the time and I just hope that regionally um, you know we've seen it in Sheffield but also in Leeds that there is that impact on the local businesses I noticed that um, Andy Firth from Ascensa was being interviewed on because they're not far from Ellen Road and the impact it's had on their building and the impact it's having locally on the community and on the economy that can only be good can't it yeah we've had a great decade 
um, you know, and Sean Jarvis, who was the commercial director, was an absolute powerhouse of community spirit with businesses, with charities, with volunteers, with the fans, you know, and there's someone I always felt a kinship with him as well, because, you know, he used to say tin hat time, didn't he? When, <laughs> yeah. when the club would announce the new shirt or a new signing or sell a player. Uh, and I, I always had a bit of a kinship with him. We used to text each other quite a bit, to be honest, um, because I think he sort of knew that I was in a similar sort of position in the world of politics that you have to make some tough decisions and defend certain things that have happened. Um, but just the way the club engaged, um, you know, with the bike rides, with the town foundation, the Keep It Up campaign for the Yorkshire Ambulance and raising money for the academy. Um, I did two of the bike rides. I think Sean and other fans did all of them. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely amazing. It's been a fantastic decade. And, and I really hope there's obviously been some changes at the club that they can sort of rediscover that kind of spirit. Because um, so. that will see us through the next. It's going to be tricky the next few seasons, yeah. uh, and I think that would really help the club if we re really rediscover that sort of link with the community. That passion, you know, you've touched on something there, um, which again I know we've talked about off mic, um, it, you know, on previous occasions. But you talk about this constant. You never switch off, or you, you schedule your time off, and it it, it is. It's not a job that you switch off, you know, we know you don't do nine till five, but do you thrive off that? Is that what makes you tick? Yeah, yeah, I would, um, my team think, think I get bored quite quickly. I like to do uh, lots of different, that's the careers I've done. As an officer in the Royal Air Force, you were never off duty. Um, you know, because of military operations or, or the way in which you would train as a journalist. Again, journalism, you know, stories don't stop at five o'clock on a Friday evening. Uh, and it's the same with this. I live and breathe it. I love helping people. Um, I've got a fantastic team. Uh, and I think I think we're doing a really, really good job in difficult circumstances for our community. But, you know, I love finding out about things I know nothing about. There are loads of things I don't know enough about, but I'm always trying to learn more, find out more, listen to people. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I certainly don't make out I know everything. I learn different things all the time. So when I'm on the train uh, coming home during the week, um, I save up magazine articles and stories that I want to read and I store links on my phone. So even then I'm using the two hours on the train to soak up more information and, and use the time to read up on things I want to find out more about. So I learn something new uh, every day. Um, and our area is, um, you know, so incredible. I've just been this just this morning. I've been on the phone to a guy that runs an events company and they do U2's international concerts around the world. Wow. They organize that and he lives in Home Firth. And I never knew he lived there. And he's just been telling me all about it. And we've been talking about the challenges of COVID. Uh, and it's been absolutely fascinating. Um, you know, how are we going to get live music events and the events industry up and running in a safe way in COVID? So, you know, that was fascinating. And I've just been straight after that, I was on a call, uh, a Zoom call with a mum from Brockholes, you know, that's worried about her little lad uh, going back to school because quite a few of the children are off self-isolating. So listening to her concerns as well. So from one extreme, big business, international, right down to a real local issue, a concerned mum. And I thought it would help if we did a face-to-face -face call uh, online, really listen to her concerns, you know, and take 
take forward some of the um, action points from that afterwards. But, but I love that variety of things, big and small. That, that variety, but also I, I get the feeling, and I, I suppose I've known you for a while, but I think you thrive a bit on the adrenaline as well. And, uh, you know, live television, RAF, you, you stand up in um, Parliament and speak. And, you know, we've talked about this before. There's nothing I love more than standing on a stage and that anticipation beforehand and the adrenaline and that buzz. And whether that's ego, I don't know what it is. You know, the psychologist would have a field day. But take that away. Uh, that's why I love doing the podcast. And that's why I brought the podcast back because I miss that buzz that... You know, you're on air and you've got to produce, you've got to uh, deliver. So is there something, and that seems to have been a theme for you, is that something, because I know from conversations we've had when you went to, you know, you loved the job at the university, but that adrenaline buzz wouldn't have been there quite the same. Uh, I loved working at the university. It's a fantastic place with loads of fantastic people. Uh, really punches above its weight, you know, with over 3,000 international students and, and really close collaborations with lots of businesses uh, in our community. Now, I get a buzz from helping people, and, and sometimes it's a, a real little thing that you can do to help people. And that's what I did when I was in the Royal Air Force. And in a strange kind of way, we sort of did that with our stories at ITV Yorkshire as well. I did some news stories as well. And sometimes by highlighting issues, you can actually make things uh, better for people. Um, and, and we share our successes, me and my team. You know, when we get good feedback and positive feedback, which we get a lot, we share it with each other. Um, and it's uh, very much a team effort. So I think for me, my philosophy is I enjoy building a team um, and, uh, you know, sharing your ups and downs together. So when I lost in 2017, you know, me and my team, we were all there together uh, and we all stuck together the two and a half years and we never really thought we'd get the opportunity to come back so soon um, because a, a, an election term in the UK should be five years. Mm -hmm. um, but we were successful. We worked really hard and, you know, we've all stuck together. So we're, I, th I think it's the building a, a team and the team spirit and togetherness. And that's what I had in the Royal Air Force, really. That's what I enjoyed. So, you know, we all we all suffer a bad day at work. And my goodness, people are struggling at the moment. A lot of people in their businesses. But how do you cope? What do you do? the morning after you've lost your seat. How, how do you cope? That must be a really tricky place to be as, a, as an individual, not as an MP now, but as, you know, as a person who gives their all to their job. How do you feel the next morning? How do you pick yourself up? Ah, it's really hard because it's, it's not just um, me. Um, uh, it's, it's my team as well. Mm -hmm. So I had to make my team redundant. Um, and it was unnecessary at the time because Theresa May called that snap election and there was absolutely no need for it, really. Um, and obviously it didn't turn out the right way for her. Um, and, uh, you know, that that was the sort of worst thing, having to sort of break up the team and they all had to go off and do other things as as I did as well. And obviously it's under the glare of publicity. Exactly. Um, That's what I'm thinking. You know, you, you can, most of us can go away and lick our wounds privately, can't yeah. we? But and, and, and there were people as well that relish it on a personal level, that they want to celebrate the fact um, 
So, which is a shame, but that, you know, that shows their lack of character as, as much as anything. Um, but you do try and dust yourself off and come back. But look, I mean, now during COVID, it puts everything in perspective, uh, to be honest. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, yeah, it seems a long time ago now, three years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I must admit, when I was looking back, I, I, I thought, is it really? Have I got my dates right here? And uh, so when you were a little boy and you saw the Prime Minister, you know, PMQ, whatever, did you ever think you'd be stood there? Was this a lifelong ambition? Uh, no, I was in the Air Cadets. Right. So I, I think I, I wanted to be a pilot. I wanted to be in the Air Force. My dad was in the RAF. Right. Um, and uh, unfortunately, my, when I had my eye test, um, uh, I needed my eyesight wasn't well, wasn't perfect. You need perfect eyesight, so I wear contact lenses now. Um, so I couldn't be a pilot, uh, and I trained to be a fighter controller, who is the person that directs aircraft. Uh, and then I changed branch after a while, and then did sort of ground support roles uh, for nine years in the Royal Air Force. So I was thinking towards joining the Royal Air Force for a lot of the time while I was young. But I actually came in contact um, with politicians while I was in the Royal Air Force. Um, so if politicians and MPs were visiting the base, I'd quite often get allocated to look after them uh, and show them around. And obviously, when I was a journalist, I got to interview them. Um, I remember interviewing when I worked for BBC Radio for a year up in Middlesbrough. I interviewed Mo Molam, who was then the Northern Ireland Secretary, so going through the Good Friday Agreement. She was a fantastic lady and did great things with the uh, Northern Ireland uh, peace deal, which is obviously very much in the news at the moment. Um, and then I got to interview William Haig, who was the leader of the opposition. Um, so I suppose it was in the sort of back of my mind at some stage I might uh, go into politics. So of all the people you've met, who have you been most impressed with? Would it be a politician, a sportsman, or would it be somebody that's... Um, do you know what? There's so many, um, you know, fantastic people that um, are involved uh, in the community. Um, I, I meet loads of them. I, I did a phone call last Monday on the way to Wakefield Railway Station with Jill Greaves that does street bikes. Oh, yes. um, yeah, no, she's yeah. just got so much energy and drive. So basically street bikes, she set it up from scratch and she got a national lottery uh, bid of uh, £300,000, I think, to keep them going for five years. And they basically get disused bikes um, and, and do them up uh, and give them away to kids with not, not much income uh, in their families to help and support them, give them bikes. Uh, and they also do accessible cycling, including hand cycles, uh, for people with disabilities to get them out and do fresh air. And I got to know her through the um, Tour de France coming to our area. So that is a good initiative and charity that was born out of um, uh, the Tour de France uh, yeah. coming to my area. But I know loads of people like that who are just forces uh, for good. Uh, there's two, two fantastic young women uh, Helen and Sophie, who run Fair and Funky, yes, the little yeah. fair trade mm -hmm. yeah. uh, group. And I've just emailed them this morning, actually. Um, I became the, one of their directors uh, of their community interest company. And the amount of uh, energy and passion they put on, they, they put me to shame. They're, they're 
you know, I think I'm busy until I see what they're doing. They're here, there and everywhere. And they do it at high energy, don't they? Yeah, they're no, just, they're absolutely, yeah. uh, you know, uh, fantastic. Um, all the wonderful uh, charities and uh, community groups. Um, and I sometimes, you know, so I'm amazed by people in our community. Um, and that's what makes it really. And I, and I think, you know, COVID has been... Uh, a huge challenge to us and sadly people have died but we you know a lot of people have done some amazing positive things in our community during the past few months as well so when you're looking at um your values and you look at integrity i always remember listening to michael portillo after he'd come out of politics and him saying it was such a relief to be able to just talk and not have to necessarily toe the party line and just be able to be myself and I always think as somebody who is very much what you see is what you get how how do you cope with that because there must be times when you don't agree with the party line uh, from an integrity point of view from and again I suppose this goes back to that resilience that um mental well-being how do you cope with that how do you deal with that um, it's a huge challenge, but there's nothing, there's nothing I say in private that I wouldn't say in public. So it is me uh, genuinely. Um, and I just wish sometimes this is a good opportunity for people listening to this. See the good in people genuinely. Uh, there's loads of people on social media that do the hashtag be kind. Mm. And then two posts later, they're attacking someone they disagree with. I think the real test of kindness is to be kind to someone you disagree with. Mm. It's easy to be kind and compassionate to people that share your views. There's a real intolerance in the country at the moment. Um, you know, I, I, I can um, ask a question in Parliament uh, and someone can criticise it and I can quickly look uh, on their timeline and I see why they've criticised it. It's nothing to do with my question. They just hate Tories. Mm -hmm. There's too much of that. There's too much of that, you know, uh, blinkered view of people. Um, and there's too much, and, and sadly in this part of the world, too much demonisation of your opposition. Mm -hmm. Have a look through my social media. See, you know, when I last demonised anybody, you'd be lucky to find it at all, to be honest. I just stay positive about what I'm doing, what I see good in our community. Um, you know, I, I read Sir Clive Woodward's book about winning the uh, Rugby Union World Cup in 2003 against Australia. Uh, ignore the energy sappers and concentrate on the energizers. Yeah, radiators you know. and drains. Exactly. And, and, and there's too many of it in politics and, and inconsistencies and, you know, uh, things like that. So the real test of someone's character is, is how they deal and treat with someone that they disagree with. So, um, yeah, I could say more. <laughs> okay. So my final question is, if you had a magic wand, what would you change? Uh so what would be your cause? What would you go out there and change? Um, I, I would say it would be something along the lines of, you know, genuine uh, understanding, genuinely see the good 
in people. Just have a think before someone lashes out uh, in reality or on social media. Just have a think, you know, have a, a double check about what your initial emotion is and then sort of think again about a minute later. So see the good in people. Be tolerant of people that have, you know, views different to you because um, that's a real test of compassion and, and kindness. Um, you know, I've got friends from all uh, political parties. I've been di helping a lot with uh, Holly Lynch, who's the Labour MP for Halifax this week. We co-chair the Fair Trade Group and we've been working together, texting each other and calling each other because we did a petition together in Parliament this week and we smiled at each other across the opposite sides of the chamber and we waved at each other naughtily. Um, but do you know what? Because by working together, we're actually making a point. We're trying to get Nestle to keep their Kit Kats Fair Trade. Because uh, we actually met some cocoa farmers from the Ivory Coast and saw how much it means to them, but it, it's that we, we've seen the good in each other. Yes, we can be, you know, MPs from different parties with different views, but do you know what? All politicians want the same thing. We want everyone to have a good education, everyone to have a good health service. You know, everyone that can't work to be looked after, everyone that can work be helped into a good job that they enjoy. We're, we're on slightly different routes all the time. There's just so much sort of. Uh, demonization and um and and blinkered views um you know you asked me uh earlier about how people see mps unfortunately there are too many people that just immediately make a judgment just because you're a tory or you're a socialist or you're either a boris fan or a corbyn fan and you get sort of um you know sort of labeled that way um you know every Every MP is an individual as well. But I do realise, though, that unfortunately, um, you know, the only way really to get elected in our country into Parliament is through the party system. People ask me. Yeah, well, that's that's quite interesting, actually, because I know I would always say to somebody, um, you know, you, you have your personal brand and you go out there and it's not just what you do, but it's who you are. But that doesn't work for you, does it? Because however much you are approachable, people know you locally, there are bigger forces at play. Yeah, I remember seeing a Newsnight interview quite a few years ago with Charlie Kennedy, who was the former Lib Dem leader. Mm -hmm. he, he'd been for the Scottish Highlands. He'd been the local MP there for ages. You know, a lovely guy, worked really hard, had a great reputation. And they vox popped uh, a lady who lived in a little cottage up there. Oh, what, what do you think about the election? Oh, Charlie Kennedy. I wouldn't do the accent, but he's a lovely guy. He, he even helped my neighbour with getting him, getting him milk when he, they were snowed in. He's a lovely guy. How are you going to vote, SNP? Mm. Why? Who's the candidate? No idea. Yeah. Because, you know, the referendum or independence was bigger than any individual. And I realised that as well. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily I can do whatever I want and my team can, but at the end of the day... You know, there's electoral cycles, you know, at some point, I don't know when it's going to be, there will be time for a change, probably from the Conservatives to somebody else. I don't know when that be. It might be in four years time. It might be in 14 years time. We don't know. Um, but, you know, it's you asked me how I felt after 2017. You know, the movement to vote against me was the same as in High Peak and Calder Valley and other places. Actually, the weird thing was in 2010, I got elected for the first time with 37% share of the vote and 20,000 votes. 
and I lost with 43% share and 27,000 votes. So more share and more votes. But the problem was we'd become round here, just two parties. It was red versus blue. Whereas when I was first elected, the Lib Dems were in second place. So, so, you know, we took some consolation uh, from that. And when I was re-elected again in December last year, I got the most other votes for a candidate here, over 29,000, which I'm very proud of. Um, but again, you know, it can, it can change. It's, a lot of my uh, MP colleagues ask me what it's like to be back. Uh, and in some ways, I wouldn't always recommend it. But to go away and come back again makes you think about it differently in a more... Did you do things differently? In a, in a more positive... Yeah, I haven't rushed into everything. I'm concentrating on... Having said I do lots of different things, I'm concentrating on fewer things better. So I'm getting uh, more involved with mental health groups uh, and I'm involved with uh, suicide prevention because I've had two friends that took their own lives. So that's something that's obviously impacted on me and something I think about a lot. So I wanted to get more involved with that. So I'm involved with that in Parliament. I wanted to get more involved in some our environmental things. So I now chair the Woods and Trees Group with the Woodland Trust uh, about planting a, a great northern forest and, and looking after our environment. Uh, I'm also involved in, you know, northern powerhouse and transport and uh, business creation groups as well. So I, I'm not trying to do everything this time. I'm trying to do slightly fewer things better. But obviously the issues are huge variety every day. But I've got a fantastic positive team around me who just give me energy and support all the time, really. Okay. So hashtag be kind, is it? Yeah, but genuinely be kind. It's not just a hashtag, you know, and it's it's those bits of kindness that maybe people don't see. I mean, I'm not going to list the things that I do, but there's things that I do that people don't know that I do um, because I just like to do them and they're the right things. But the people in my life that know that I do them for them, uh, you know, give me strength and, you know, help and support them. So, you know, don't demonise people. See the, genuinely see the good in people and and, and be open-minded. Um and don't send an email or a social media message without pausing for a minute <laughs> and thinking uh, for a second time before you send it. I'm trying to teach my son that on the football pitch. <laughs> Just count to 10 before you react. Um, you know, I, I truly believe that uh, to be authentic and to have integrity, it's about doing the right thing when everybody else isn't watching. And I get the feeling that that's what you're talking about there as well. Yeah. Yeah, I've done. Yeah. Uh, I'm very fortunate. And, you know, people close to me know what I've been doing the past few months. You know, I've been very fortunate because I've been in my well-paid MP's job. So I've been doing my bit to support people that haven't been as fortunate, but... You know, that's not for me to list. The people that I've been helping and supporting know what I've been doing. So, Well, thank you for taking the time out of your crazy schedule. I'm sure you've got something else <laughs> planned for the rest of the afternoon. And I hope we can get back and uh, support our team in person very soon. Thanks, Jason. You're very welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I 
hope you've enjoyed today's conversation and I'd love you to join in the conversation as well. The best way to do that is through social media and I can be found at Instagram and Twitter at DO underscore impact. If you'd like to sign up for my newsletter or learn more about my monthly membership, The Impact Club, please visit the website at deborahogden.com. If you've enjoyed this episode of On Brand With, I would so appreciate it if you would rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people know we exist. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to On Brand With. It was hosted by Deborah Ogden and produced by me, Anthony Short. This has been an A Short Stories production.